0: Hey, everyone. Um, Well, this is new. So (laughs) I have never done a podcast before. I think that's very clear. Um, And I think that that'll come out as I share this story with you all. But um, for my first podcast, I really wanted to take a moment and just acknowledge my past with an eating disorder. Because um, while I haven't always talked a ton about it on my platform i've really within the last few months um especially the last month actually i've just really opened up about it and been more honest with this community about what i've been through and where i'm at right now Um, and really my eating disorder history is a bit more complex than i think um, i've acknowledged And I'd love to just share it in hopes of helping other men and women out there uh, who, you know, one, are going through something similar, or two, have been through something similar, um, or three, just, you know, have been through waves of it throughout their life, and hearing my story might just be the thing that they need to know they're not alone, to go get help, or just to feel like they're a part of a community um and then that, that they can get through it because I think a huge factor that helped me get through my eating disorder when it was really bad, which was probably 2014 through 2018 um, with a resurgence just recently. Um, what helped me really get through it was sharing, with others what i was going through and just hearing how many other women um for me particularly were going through it as well or or have struggled with it so that is the reason i'll be sharing what i've uh, been through on here and also just to provide some insight to anyone else out there who might just want to hear the story so let's start at the beginning uh little old m so i started playing sports when I was literally as soon as I could walk. Um, I just remember my mom and dad both being sports fans. My dad, particularly with a sports background, being an amazing wrestler, going to state, going to college as a wrestler. um, Sports were always really important to him. And so me, my twin sister, and both of my brothers were all in sports all year round. So. None of us ever had an off season. And when I say all year round, I mean from the moment we could walk until we graduated high school, we were in sports all year round. And actually all four of us were in three different sports. So we literally had three different seasons, three different um, sports going on all the time. So sports were a huge part of my life, my entire life. And for me, particularly it narrowed down to track, hockey and soccer. And I played all three varsity and through my senior year of high school, um, particularly loving hockey and soccer, actually, because I love team sports. And I think winning things and pursuing things as a team is always one of the best, most rewarding feelings you can have. Um, And I still stand by sports as a huge um, foundational part of my life. And I think that they're, they're incredibly important for people to experience at some point well, because they teach you discipline, camaraderie, dedication, sacrifice, commitment, reliability, persistence. They truly just teach you so much about yourself and how to be um, an effective and high quality person uh, for the rest of your life. So Yeah, so I I grew up playing sports and pursuing sports with a passion. Um, And then come my senior year, I had the opportunity to pursue, I actually looked at pursuing hockey and soccer and track each in college, um, different universities, different schools for each. Ended up going with track uh, because I tended my sister and I both, my twin sister is actually a very talented runner. I'd say even more talented than myself, but she um, she ran different events than me, luckily, uh, in track. So, because the competitive spirit would have been hard, but um, we both looked at playing, running, excuse me, track at Notre Dame. And at first it was contentious because we both wanted to experience college on our own, but it ended up being a blessing that we both were able to run at Notre Dame. For the time that we were. And it, you know, in the beginning, it was hard because we both wanted to make our own friends. We'd been twins and known as the Knights our entire lives. So that separation and that individuality was something we both wanted. But like I said, ended up being a blessing, especially later on. But when we got to college, and particularly for myself, I noticed how different my body was as a runner than the other women on the Notre Dame track team, which Notre Dame is a division one university. So it's very elite when it comes to athletics. Think Rudy, Notre Dame football. It's not, athletics at Notre Dame are not something that is taken lightly. It's very serious. It's pretty much a job. And so being on the track team there, um, everyone took it very seriously. And I noticed my body was different. Coming from someone who was a hockey player, a soccer player, and a runner, with runner, the running world being my least favorite and my least, um, I would say I put the least amount of focus into it, just because it complemented my other sports, but it wasn't my favorite. Um, but I happened to be good at it. Um, so yeah, my body was different. It was not built like someone who just ran year round and got really good at running. It was built sturdy. I had a very athletic build, um, which, you know, I've always I've loved that, but I've also always struggled with it because I've always I've gone through periods of wanting to really shrink myself, which is where we are in this story now. Um, and it was typical at Notre Dame for the women to run in nothing but, you know, spandex and a sports bra especially around campus when we did our workouts and things like that. And I was always so uncomfortable in my body. I'd put a t-shirt on, I'd cover myself, I'd do everything I could so that I could hide the fact that I wasn't absolutely tiny like the other women. Um, And this, you know, this kind of quickly turned into something that I didn't expect it to which was me going to great lengths to find a way to shrink myself. So how did it initially start? I think what I first remember happening was I remember we'd go to these dinners together as a team and I just remember I'd I'd see what the other people were eating and oftentimes as female runners it's not a ton or it's very vegetable and um healthy, focused. And I was someone who came from a home where we had everything we had every treat, every sweet, every type of food you can imagine, nothing was off limits, because we were all so active and so involved in sports, it didn't really matter. As long as we were eating and eating enough, that's what mattered at home. But at school, it was different. And I had to quickly learn how to eat differently so that I could be at the right amount of weight um which I perceived to be the right amount of weight. And I just remember having to change what I was eating to match what I thought I should be eating in this community setting. Um, and I just remember it it originally it started like that, but then it kind of turned into me just not eating. And for some reason I I just would go for, I would say hours at a time without eating. And then it turned into, I'd have one, which at the time I remember was quest bars. I'd have one quest bar for breakfast, one quest bar for lunch. And then at dinner after, you know, also performing all the workouts we'd have to do, I'd be so hungry. I would just make this huge plate of food and I, the shame was real as I sat among my peers, but I was so hungry and I would just, eat this meal and feel so guilty. And then the cycle would just continue. I'd wake up, I'd have one protein bar, one protein bar, and then this huge dinner. And it just, my body did start to change though, because at the same time that I was doing this diet, I also was hyper exercising. And what I mean by that is I was doing cardio. And I should say, you know, I wasn't fast enough at Notre Dame to be someone who they started racing right away. I really wasn't. And so I kind of had more time to train. And I took that into my own hands by doing more than I needed to. And so I would spend probably two and a half to three hours a day just performing cardio, whether it was on the bike, on the treadmill, on the elliptical. Um, anything like that. And it was not light cardio. It was my heart rate was soaring. I was sweating profusely. I was exhausted. I was hungry. And this was every day, every single day. And so by the time, you know, I had my Quest Bar breakfast, my Quest Bar lunch, and I got to dinner, obviously three hours of cardio, I was starving. And so I just remember I did start losing weight that way. And there was I didn't have access to a scale in college, but the only scale I did have access to was in a public gym um, that all the students used. And it was at the time it was in the basement and I would sneak down there literally every day. It started every day. I'd go down there and weigh myself. Um, And usually I'd do it after my workout because I knew I'd be the lightest after all that sweating. And then I'd, I'd be satisfied if the number got lower. And it got to the point where I came to college, I'm 5'8". I probably weighed 140 pounds going into college. I was sturdy, I was athletic, I was strong. I lost a lot of weight really quickly. I probably got down to 130 in a very short amount of time. And then I'd go into this gym and weigh myself probably three or four times a day. I'd sneak in after a certain class. and as if my weight would somehow magically change in a day, I'd be so driven to get to the gym, go downstairs, take all my clothes off and weigh myself at the gym. And it was just, I just remember if I didn't get to the gym to weigh myself, I had this immense stress. And also I remember if the scale numbers shifted at all, upward, I had this this gut-wrenching feeling. And I would take those two quest bars that I'd have for the majority of the day, and it would become one quest bar. And soon enough, the obsession got so intense that I was weighing myself three times a day. If the number went up, I wouldn't eat for up to 30 hours. And I just remember the pain of 30 hours of Someone who's performing three hours of cardio every day, not eating for 30 hours with that, laying in bed, just shaking of hunger. Um, but being so addicted to being small and being small enough amongst my peers and looking small. And it got so bad to the point where I, I did pass out once in the library. Um, I hadn't eaten in a very long time and I'd been relying on coffee to keep myself from eating because it, it's an appetite suppressant. So, and that was kind of, a a turning point for me where I knew something needed to change. And obviously it didn't, it didn't happen then because I struggled with this for a very long time, but, um, and then there. There was a time when um, I got into this cycle of, I'd do the excessive cardio, which ended up probably year two or three, and I should add, I was done with track. I had to step away in hopes that I could heal with my eating. I stepped away from track my sophomore year, so tried to figure that out on my own, obviously, by stepping away, but... Um, I remember when I did step away, things took a turn and that three hour cardio became just running and I started running a ton and excessively. And I, I do probably at least 11 miles a day, um, of just running. and, And then it got up to every, you know, at least every week I was running 20 miles one day a week, or it was just excessive. Uh, with some cross-turning here and there, meaning biking or elliptical, but I kind of, that's when I started to get into this binge-repeat cycle. Um, I'd barely eat. I'd do the same kind of protein bar situation, go on a 15-mile run, and then by the time I got to the evening, I was so hungry, I'd go to a local pharmacy or grocery store or whatever and buy all these treats and foods that i didn't let myself eat um, normally so i'd go get you know a cookie and a piece of cake and um, french fries or whatever and i'd bring it back to my little room in this house that i shared with a few teammates of mine and i'd just eat it on the floor and i would be like i'm just gonna have a bite of each just a bite but before you know it i would have eaten it all because i was so hungry and then the guilt that would set in after I ate all that food because I was so hungry. The guilt was immense and that's when a pattern started of I'd binge like that, I'd wait a few hours, I'd lace up my tennis shoes and then I'd step outside and I'd go on a 13 mile run in the middle of the night. I kid you not, there were a number of occasions where I was running in the middle of the night around a campus to get to burn off the calories of the food that i ate because i was starving and that cycle repeated for probably a year and a half if not more and it was horrible it was like a monster on my back that i couldn't put away or put in its cage and it just it ruined me it kept me from social events it kept me from having a normal college experience. And all the while I was maintaining this very low weight. And I was struggling so much because I was so obsessed with being skinny. It didn't matter. I remember when I think back now, it didn't matter if I was healthy. It really didn't. None of it had to do with health. None of it had to do with my longevity or how long my body would last or if I was building a foundation. All of it had to do with being skinny and being in the smallest size clothing. And it was horrible. And at one point um, I did a study abroad over the summer. It had to be after my sophomore year. We went to London for six weeks and I was waking up, you know, really early before everyone else at the university was up in London, and I would go on these runs through London by myself. And I would run anywhere from like, seven to 10, 11, 12 miles in London in the morning. And then I'd go back to the room, I'd have a tiny bowl of Cheerios with a little bit of jam. I'm talking like tiny, or I'd have two rice cakes with a little bit of peanut butter and jam. And then everyone would get up, get ready for class, and we'd walk probably two miles to class as a group. So this is after I had been running. Walk the two miles, I'd get like a green juice and some fruit and then whatever. And the rest of the day proceeded similarly, but throughout that trip, I remember isolating myself as well. If there were certain dinners or events people would go to, I'd go back to our little dorm in London and be by myself and eat some Cheerios, and it was just horrible. It, when I think back at col- on college, you know, the first things that come to mind are some of my friendships, um, you know, the the learnings that I had, the classes that I took, the, uh, the relationship I had, and also a huge one is this eating disorder, and it kind of just looms over that whole experience and yeah it was it was a very dark time and so I think what triggered it in the beginning was not feeling skinny enough amongst my peers and wanting to be skinny enough and what brings it back now honestly it's hard to know I think I think once you've been through something like that and been through the trauma of being obsessed with seeing the number on the scale go down, being obsessed with fitting into the smallest clothing, being obsessed with being your smallest self, your whole life you're aware that you've been through that. And I think you can go through years of healing where you feel great, you, you found a way, I like the way one of my therapists said this is, you found a way to put the monster back in its cage and keep it away from you. And your whole life, that's what you'll have to do is you'll have to make sure that monster stays there. But you'll also go through periods where that monster, it comes out, and it finds a way to sneak back and take control of you and take control of your life or try to at the very least. And lately, I've just been going through a period of struggling with that because I felt I could, I could feel the monster close by. It hasn't taken full-on control like it did in college. It hasn't taken away from my life entirely. It's it's hurt me. It's changed my perception of things. It's taken control of some little things. But it, it's not, it hasn't taken control the way that it once did. And I'm very aware of that, and I'm open about it. And it's because I'm never allowing it to do that again. So with that said, I wanted to share some things that helped me when I'm feeling this way or when, when I feel that monster, that history of eating disorder coming out, here are some of the things that help me. I think one, the biggest thing that matters is who is around you. If you have people around you that trigger those thoughts or that are hyper-focused on their diet themselves or make you feel negatively about your body, those are all signs that you need to reevaluate who's around you especially people that you keep close. Um, Having people around you that make you feel good about yourself and actually make you focus on things outside of food, that is hugely important. So evaluate that. I am blessed with an amazing partner. I am blessed with an amazing family that loves me and helps guide me in the right direction. I have some amazing, amazing friends that have helped me heal. With that said, I've also had to cut some people out. I've had to reevaluate certain relationships. I've had to be have open and candid conversations if things trigger me. So I think that that's a huge one. Two, find something that distracts you from your body. So if you're like me and your passion is fitness and health, and that's where you put, you know, a lot of your energy and thought and time. Excuse me, I need a sip of water. If that's where you put a lot of your energy and time, find something else to put your energy and time into that takes you away from only focusing on food and health and fitness. For me, there's a few things. There's God. God is he's obviously... You know he drives my plan he he writes everything for me he's the only thing that matters at the end of the day and the more time and energy i put into god the less i focus on food in my body because i'm not here to be fit i'm here well i'm here to be healthy for his glory but i'm also here to live out other purposes to help others to be a good friend to be a good sister to be a good daughter a good future wife things like that you know and the more energy I put into God, which is a huge one for me, the better I feel. So find something else in your life to put your energy into outside of exercise and food. Another thing that I think really helps is choosing health and fitness goals that have nothing to do with what your body looks like. So for me, I really just an example, I really want to master the pull-up. I have always struggled to be able to do pull-ups. But if I'm going to do that, I need to be fueled and feel good. And I need to care less about what my body looks like. I need the energy to learn how to do a pull-up. I need to be strong. And so that requires me to do certain things that have nothing to do with what I look like. So for example, maybe your goal is to run 10 miles once every two weeks and just be able to do it that requires fuel. If you're underfueled, you won't ever be able to run that 10 miles, at least not feeling well. So choose goals that have nothing to do with aesthetics. And if you're a bodybuilder, which is entirely aesthetic, almost, choose goals outside of those too. choose goals that are just for you personally, maybe go on a walk with your friend every day or things like that. Set goals into your fitness plan that aren't related to aesthetics number four don't weigh yourself and this is something i've had to learn your weight your body weight does not matter it says nothing about your health you could be built entirely entirely of muscle and weigh way more than someone built who almost looks the same as you and it's because of your body build there's also things like for example if you have large large breasts you're going to weigh more and like there's little things like that that factor into your weight. But obviously, if you're, if you're healthy, weight does not matter. If you're healthy, do not weigh yourself. It does not matter. It doesn't contribute to your happiness. It's a number on a scale. Yeah, that is tip number four. Stop weighing yourself. Final tip I'll provide is um, don't count calories. And this is something I still have to work on counting calories is obsessive. It takes away from your life. It takes away from your natural hunger cues. If you're someone who's trying to heal, it's a whole different ballgame if you're, you know, you have a certain goal and you're working with someone, a coach, to learn how to do it better. But if you're trying to heal from eating issues, stop counting calories. Um, Don't count macros. Just be intuitive. Eat enough protein. Shoot for one- one gram of protein per pound of body weight and just stop counting calories. Like you just don't need to do it. Okay. You really don't. If you want to be an intuitive eater and just live your life and be able to say yes to more and yeah, don't count calories. Okay. Actually one more tip, push yourself, challenge yourself. Someone asked you to go out to dinner spontaneously, challenge yourself, say yes. You're not feeling like exercising that day, and normally you'd exercise every single day. Don't exercise. If you're tired, your body's not lying to you. Challenge yourself. You have to do the uncomfortable to really beat this monster. You just do. So that's the last tip I'll provide. But yeah, I hope that sharing all of this provided some, you know, just help vulnerability, honesty, that might help one one other person, even just one, know that their journey and their history that you might be ashamed of or embarrassed of, you don't have to be. Things like this, struggling with eating is so common, especially among individuals who care a lot about their health because it it can very easily become obsessive. It's It's something that once you care about, It's hard to know where the line is. And I think I think that's really what it is, is that line exists and it becomes I care about my health to I'm obsessed with being a certain way. And it's not healthy. That's no longer caring about your health. So yeah, I hope that sharing this helps even just one person. And I hope that everyone that listens knows that my door is always open. I am such an open book about this because. I am so passionate about helping others who are going through it and I think when you're going through stuff like this like I've had a rebound lately in this issue doing things for other people and thinking of other people instead of yourself is a huge way to feel better and to do good in this world so my door is always open my socials please reach out you can find me at night double underscore fit on Instagram same with TikTok I have a website nightfitfast.com please reach out Um, you can also train with me I'm currently have my own strength and running goals so you can train with me submit a consultation on my website but yeah I hope that this provided some help for anyone out there who needs it you guys are all beautiful you're talented You're smart. You're capable. You're amazing. You're more than your body. So much more than your body. I promise you that. And there's light at the end of this. So just keep going. Keep your head up. Reach out to other people. Remember, you're not alone. Go have yourselves a great day, guys.